to the ExtraordinaryChurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. Praise God. Give the Lord praise. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. Praise God. He indeed is worthy of it all. And uh, we're so glad that you're with us here today. My name is Akil Thompson, and I'm the pastor at Extraordinary Church. We believe we are the perfect church for imperfect people. And we're so glad that you're here with us this afternoon. Why don't you look at your neighbor and tell him you're in the right place. Amen. Look at your other neighbor tell him at the right time. Praise God. Amen. Well, I'm going to go ahead and jump right on into what I feel. We have some fantastic things prepared for you afterwards. If you'd like to stick around and enjoy some pastries, we'll have that. We also have a photo booth that we want you to take advantage of and take some photos and put them out there on social media. Uh, but I'm excited about what the Lord is doing. Uh, we'll also have some giveaways that we'll be giving away at the conclusion of our worship experience so in the event our first time guest if you did not get an opportunity to complete a connection card please do that and turn that into our guest services team at the conclusion while we're all enjoying snacks we got some really good giveaways that we'll be giving away well with that being said if you have your bible uh, or your bible app open that up if you will We're going to make this declaration. I want y'all to join me in making this declaration. We're about to read the word of the Lord too. And it's just part of our, it's, I'll call it tradition, but I want us to stand in honor of reading the word of the Lord. So if you join us in doing that, this is my Bible. It is the word of God. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I can have what it says I can have. Praise God. Let's look at Matthew chapter 28. We're going to go to verse 1. Matthew 28, verse 1. Matthew 28, verse 1. And we're going to read through 10. If you got it, say amen. If you need a little bit more time, say hold up. All right, praise God. I like somebody. Say what you, say what you mean, praise God. We're going, to hold, we're going to hold up. Wait a minute. All right, praise God. Can, can, I'm going to be all over the place. So we just, Pastor, if we move that, Elvis, if you just take that down, that'd be fantastic. Um, praise God. It's all right. They'll be, they'll, they'll be all right. Praise God. Just don't unplug them. Thank you, man. Thank you. All right. If you got it now, you're good. Say, I'm good. All right. Let's go. Uh, early on Sunday morning. Aren't you glad for church on the after, in the afternoon? Praise God. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. That's not my message, but praise God. Thank you, Lord. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid. He said, I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. Praise God. He is risen from the dead just as he said would happen. This is fascinating because the, the angel, I can just kind of see him like, hey, did he not do what he said he was going to do? How many times did he tell you he was going to do something and he did it? Did he not? And, and they, they were just stunned. So the angel is like, come in here. Come see where his body was lying. And now go quickly. Woo. And tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women wasted no time. They ran quickly from the tomb. 
they were very frightened but also filled with great joy and they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message and as they went Jesus met them and greeted them and they ran to him grasped his feet and worshiped him then Jesus said to him don't be afraid go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there praise God I want to preach this thought this afternoon Easter the day that changed the world the day that changed the world would you lift your hands and help me pray Father, I give you praise, I give you honor, I give you thanks. We celebrate you, your faithfulness, and your goodness. I declare a fresh anointing in this place. I release the gift of faith. Heal in this place. Resurrect in this place. Deliver and restore in this place. And the glory and honor will belong to you in Jesus' name. Would you clap your hands until the Lord? <laughs> praise God. You may be seated in his presence. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Just as he said he would, just as he said what happened. Come see where his body was lying. You have to imagine Mary Magdalene and uh, the other Mary witnessed this brutal crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. They had also witnessed Joseph of Arimathea and, uh, uh, who had purchased this tomb and this burial plot. And Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, he had an affinity towards Jesus' ministry. And they watched them, these ladies watched them prepare Jesus' body for burial. Mary of Magdala and the other Mary knew where Jesus had been laid to rest. Plus, they had seen the guards who were assigned to them because uh, Rome, in particular the religious leaders of that day, wanted to prevent any tomb raiders, if you will. So, to prevent the tomb raiders, the, the Pharisees were concerned uh, about his body going missing. Therefore, Rome accommodated their request and put uh, put guards there, some of their finest, if you will, to ensure that no one would snatch the body. Now, in this event that they were unsure about where Jesus had, this was not a scenario where they were unsure about where Jesus had been laid. There was too much evidence to denote that they were at the right place. Now, let me just read this to you again. Then the angel spoke to the woman, don't be afraid. You have to imagine the shock on their face, perhaps the utter dismay. Don't be afraid. He said, I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said it would happen. Come see where his body was lying. Now, let me just say this. You know, as a pastor and a communicator, it is a challenge to come up with content uh, that will be fresh and engaging and perhaps inspire you and motivate you or you feel the call of God. Uh, I'm not saying that it's enormous pressure to produce every week. This is what God has called me to do. Uh, but I do want to say in particular on an Easter Sunday, I have a spoiler alert for you. He was born, he lived, he died, and he rose again. I don't know how, that's really good news. I don't have any other way to present it. He was born, he lived, he died, and he rose again. I'm just going to let you know, you already know how this works out. He's not dead. He has risen just like he said he would. He defeated death, hell, and the grave, and he is alive forevermore. You already know how it ends. You already know how it ends. So, as a Christian, I know how other things are going to end as well. That's a reason to celebrate. That's a reason to give him praise. That's a reason to know it all works out for my good. Everything works together for the good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. I know I win. I win. I know the end of the story. I know I win. So, you already know how it ends. So let's consider this from every 
vantage point. One of the things I love about the Gospels, uh, in particular, the Gospel of John, but I'm going to talk about all three of them. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are known as synoptic Gospels, and then you have John. Uh, They provide interesting takes. It's almost like uh, you know, if uh, we were at a restaurant or, you know, I've got a different vantage point than you all. So it's just very simple. My vantage point, we're in the same space, in the same experience at the same time. My vantage point is all of you and the backdrops and all of that stuff. My, your vantage point is very different. You see this big glossy head and you see a projector screen. You see various things. We have a different vantage point, but we're in the same space at the same time. Does that make sense? Okay, that is what the Gospels are. They are different vantage points, different perspectives of the same God, the God-man, Jesus Christ. Luke, so let, let, let's, let's, let's you, you can look at Mark, for example. I mentioned Luke, but I got Mark here first in my notes. Mark is very succinct in his point. Mark is direct and to the point. As a matter of fact, when you open up and you begin to read Mark, you will see the word immediately like a dozen times in the first two chapters. Mark is like, hey, can we, how many of you all like, you know, like when you watch a movie, you just like, some of you all don't even mind to like review the movie, watch the spoilers and all of that because you just want to get to the end. Anybody like that? Okay, yeah, I do not want to watch a movie with you all. I'm like, I don't want to see about a preview. I don't want to hear your thoughts. I'm like, just look ahead. It's people that I, I go and watch movies with or whatever. If they've seen it before me, I'm like, don't say a word. Because they'll even be like, oh, oh. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm trying to watch the movie. So, uh, you know what? This, this is Mark. Mark is just like, hey, look, let's just get to it. 16 chapters. I'm going to tell you, just like I told you, Mark was like, he was born, he lived, he died, he rose again. That's simple. I mean, Mark was so, I mean, the word is pretty straight, but like Mark is like, look, if you believe and you're baptized, you shall be saved. If you don't believe, you're going to hell. Mark 16, read it. I mean, that's, that's the language. Y'all know you got some people. Some of y'all like that. Some, we got some Marks in the house. That just going to tell you. Sarah was like, I think I might be a little bit like Mark. I had a meeting recently. She was like, oh, how did the meeting go? I was like, it was fine. She was like, isn't there some more you tell me? I was like, uh, no. No, there's not more I can tell you. That, that's, that's Mark. Then there's the gospel of Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Matthew starts with the genealogy for the Jews to prove that he was indeed the one that was prophesied, the promise of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through the seed of David, that there would be no one who would sit on the throne whose kingdom would not end except him, the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew is like, I'm going to give you some insight into the prophetic fulfillment of Jesus Christ and his arrival. Then you have Luke. We have anybody that likes to Google check or Google, what do you call that, like Google fact check? By the way, can I just tell you, you're probably not fact checking just because you Googled it. You do realize it's like a bunch of opines out there in whatever verse you are Googling. But how many of you all like to Google reference something when you, like, is that true? Uh, let, me, let, let me look up in Google. Like, y'all know, don't, don't, just go ahead. Some of y'all, thank you. We, then you would like Luke. Because especially if you like to dig a little deeper than Google, and you're going to go beyond the first page and go to the second and third page. Okay? If you enjoy research, or mathematical, or scientific activities, then you would appreciate and enjoy Luke's take because Luke chose to deep dive into an eyewitness account because he goes to great pains to collect all the information he can to prove that Jesus is indeed the Messiah to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. He was a doctor, and, you know, while that was not, he really kind of functions more like an investigative journalist where the book of uh, Luke uh, and the book of Acts are really like documentaries, if you will, of what was unfolding at that time. And then you have John. 
John is one of my favorites. John is an interesting character uh, because he's, he's like Moses. He has interactions that the other disciples, uh, and in this case, the other gospel writers do not have. As a matter of fact, John is the only one that accounts for the totality of Jesus' earthly ministry. And then he goes on to say, hey, look, if we just keep it at 100, all of the books in the world could not contain who and what Jesus is and what he has done. He has a very high emotional intelligence. He is comfortable in his masculinity. He is emotive. He is articulate with his feelings. All the ladies in the house know that you dream of a man like this. Comfortable communicating his love for you. Comfortable communicating how much he wants to care for you. This is more than likely who John is. John is Jesus' beloved. The one who John makes no, John is referring to himself. He's like, whom the disciple that Jesus loved. <laughs> He's comfortable. He's so comfortable. He literally has no problem laying his head on the man's chest. He's very, very comfortable in his own skin. So much so that he rests in the bosom of his Savior. John is literally the one who can testify, I have heard the heartbeat of God. Can you imagine being so close to him that you could literally hear? So close to Jesus, the God-man in flesh, that when Jesus gets ready to speak, John would hear the before the words would actually begin to leave as he exhaled. As, as, as Jesus is getting ready to speak, John can hear the air moving up the windpipe and through the voice box before he utters a word. I don't know about you, but would anybody like to be so close to him that you can hear him when he's about to speak? I'm not talking about when he's speaking. Many of us are like, Lord, speak. I'm listening. I'm, some of us are saying, God, I want something more intimate. That the moment you begin to inhale and the moment you begin to exhale, I can hear, are you about to speak? There's those times where we're in the presence of the Lord and we gather together. You can feel a holy hush. You can sense you can sense that inhale. God is about to speak and do something. I don't know about you, but I don't want to know him at a distance. I don't know about you, but I don't want to know him. Oh, I don't want to know him far and away. I don't want to know him about what others say. I want to know him for myself. I want to know him up close and personal. I want to know his voice. I want to know his heartbeat. I don't, I don't want to just know his miraculous power. I want to know his heart. Oh, does anybody feel that way today? If so, give him praise. John is this man. He's the only one that gives us all of Jesus' ministry. Whatever gospel you pick, though, here's what I do know. You must come to the same conclusion. Jesus is God in the flesh. John went so far that in John 1 and 1, he says, When the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, we beheld his glory. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm reading different. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Come on. And we know it coincides with Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John goes on further in 14, and that's what I was reading. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus would testify, nobody can come to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said in John 8, 58, before Abraham was, I am. I'm telling you, Jesus is God Almighty. And if you know that, give him praise. So what's fascinating is, how did the Messiah come. How did he come? I'm not talking about the triumphant entry like we preached last week. I'm not talking about that. How, how did he come? 
the Messiah came into the world through a womb, the womb of a virgin, without any assistance of a man fulfilling uh, this. He was fulfilling all of Old Testament prophecy. He entered the earth because he said so. And the first messianic prophecy that we get, you can go right to it. Just a couple chapters later after Genesis 1, Genesis 3, verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, I think anybody, if you're just being honest with the text, let me just give you another spoiler alert. Uh, it says here, and between your seed and her seed. I think we can all quickly deduce and agree that biologically speaking, women do not have seeds. Yet, the seed of this woman will bruise the head of the serpent, and the serpent shall bruise his heel. My point in making that is, it is an immaculate conception. <sighs> It takes, from Genesis 3.15, it takes 4,000 years for 3.15 to come to pass. This will let you know that God does things on his timing, not mine. This will give you a sneak preview that he is into delayed gratification. That's why I didn't get not one amen. That's why some of y'all are like, I'm getting ready to go right now. But it's true. I got to keep it 100 with you all this afternoon because we want our prayers answered right now. Come on, come on. You received a prophetic word this past Sunday, and you already like Monday? This thing ain't come to pass, and it's Monday? You received a word that you're going to get a new job, and you done turned in the next day your resignation letter to your boss. <laughs> That's how you do not realizing that that prophetic word would take 10 years to come to pass while you faithfully and diligently waited on the Lord. Why? So that your pride would no longer be in the way. He's into delayed gratification. See, you need to realize there's a process. What am I trying to tell you? God is more interested in your character than he is your ministry. So you would learn to wait on him, realizing that he is your source and not your employer. As a matter of fact, you would learn that God is your employer and not the people you work for. It's something we have to get used to if we're going to have a relationship with God. He works on his terms, not ours. And when he speaks a word from eternity into time, you have to wait in time for that eternal word to meet up with his expected timing and plan. So Jesus comes through the womb of a virgin. This is not a glorious entrance. I know last Easter we sang glorious day. But this is not a glorious entrance for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. For all the glory he took off, you would think he might put a little on while on earth. No, he was born in a manger. He was born in a barn. <laughs> he was born in a trough nestled between animals. He lived an unspectacular life for 30 years. For 30 years, we don't even know what he's doing. We, 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 we literally, we get one glimpse. We get one glimpse. He makes a cameo appearance. Like, I don't know what they were doing. His mom, Joseph, and, and, and Mary. But they, they lost him for three days. And this is what's crazy. Here's the sneak peek that we get. They find him in the temple talking with the Jewish leaders, and they're talking about the Torah. Here's the crazy thing, asking them questions about the Torah, which is probably highly amusing to Jesus. He goes into the temple to see if they know they're reading about him. He goes into the synagogue to see if they know He's probably like, I wonder, do they know they're talking about me? Genesis is me. Exodus is me. Deuteronomy is me. 
Numbers is me. Leviticus is me. It's all me. Joshua is me. I can walk you up from the beginning until now, and I can show you every place that I have been. I'm here in the flesh, and it's not my time to reveal to you yet. So I'm going to go work with my dad. I'm telling you, God's into delayed gratification. I'm going to go build some houses, and I'm going to go mend some fences because it's not time. I'm going to go hang out with my mom and my dad and my siblings, and we're going to go to a feast, and we're going to go to the synagogue, and I'm going to hear them talking about me knowing that I can't say anything back because it's not my time yet. I wonder, do you have the patience and the discipline to do what you're supposed to be doing in this season, knowing that you have a bigger call on your life? But recognizing it's not time, you might have been called into ministry and maybe God said you're going to write a book and that book is going to impact thousands. But right now, you're a customer service representative at a local bank. I wonder, can you reconcile the fact that it's going to take time for God to do a work in your life? I wonder, can we reconcile that oftentimes we hear what we want to hear when God speaks to us? I remember when the Lord told me many years ago, I, I don't even know that we were married. The Lord told me, he said, hey, I've called you to be a bridge to many cultures. And when he told me that, when I heard that, I thought, praise God, I love every ethnicity, every nationality. I can't wait to bring people together. And in my mind, I envision the Golden Gate Bridge. Just bringing every nation, every tongue, every kindred, every ethnicity, bringing people together. It's what I love to do. That's what I saw, Pastor Barry, when I heard that word. And then, when I began to feel like, I said to the Lord, Lord, this is not what I envisioned when you told me I was going to be a bridge to different ethnicities and cultures. I said, I, I feel beat up. And he said, well, you heard what you wanted to hear. You saw what you wanted to see. He said, I did tell you you would be a bridge. But do you know they walk on bridges? They trample on bridges. They drive over bridges. As a matter of fact, they don't pay the bridge any mind. They're just worried about getting to their destination. What do you do when you hear something? Are you hearing what God said and seeing what he said? Do you have the discipline to wait on God's timing in your life? He's just waiting, just waiting. I think it's interesting. You know what? It's fascinating. I can remember when I, the Lord told me I was going to go into full-time ministry. I'll never forget this. I thought, oh, I'm going to go into full-time ministry. We're going to slide in. And I, I, I was working at the bank. I thought, I'm going to play golf at least once a week with my pastor. I was like, my golf game is about to level up. He and I never played golf. Not one time when I went into full-time ministry. I thought, you know what? I was going to be able to give my resignation letter and just be like, hey, this is good. See you all. I'm going to ministry, and I'm going to do great things for the Lord. And you know what? It didn't happen like that. It happened when the bank offered me a promotion making a lot more money than I would have ever dreamed of, that we were ready. That's what I had worked for. And then as they tell me, hey, we want you to consider this role, as I'm reading it, you know what the Lord tells me? Resign. I was like, I know the voice of God. And that's not it. <laughs> so I'm going to keep this job, and I'm going to make this money, and in my attempt to do all that, do you realize all of the favor that the Lord had allowed me to amass began to flee as quickly as it could? I clutched onto it. It would not work. And 90 days later, the Lord told me, he said, I told you to resign. You will not return to full-time secular employment. And I was like, what am I going to do? My wife was at home with the babies, and we... Uh, but you know what? I resign. I resign. Resign. 
We lived on faith. God provided, did miracles, and it's crazy. The entrance is, you, you, got, you just got to hear me. I just want to put this in somebody's spirit. The entrance you envision into your next season is not what God has envisioned. I'm just saying, if, if the king of the universe, the master of the universe, the creator of the universe came through the womb of a woman, born in a barn, nestled between animals, I think you might have a few bumps along the way. And then to drive the point home to us, he's waiting 30 years. You ever had that moment where you're like, I'm here, Jesus, let's go. Not quite. Jesus is here. He's simply waiting. He's so good at being unspectacular that people in the community when he came back to do miracle signs and wonders, they were like, <laughs> man, that's the, that's the carpenter's son. Ain't that the one that be wilding out with James? No, 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 no. And he did, he, he did hardly any miracles there. Waiting. 30 years of just waiting to unstop deaf ears. 30 years of waiting to heal the sick. We waited 4,000 years for him, and we got to wait another 30. And then when he shows up, he shows up at his cousin's baptismal party. John the Baptist just, repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. He's telling everybody to repent. He's telling the political powers and structures, the religious leaders. John is baptizing everybody in them. And John has been talking about this God-man. And I don't think John realizes, at least at this point, John the Baptist, not the writer of John, okay? Uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ according to John. That's two separate people, okay? Up until that point, John has been declaring, prepare the way. John the Baptist has been a voice crying in the wilderness. And John has been saying, the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. Y'all get ready. And when the Messiah shows up, he's like, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. However, you know when you baptize people, when I baptize people, I have a conversation with them first. Now, we have a conversation with them all the time. By the way, like if you have never been baptized and at any point in time today you decide to be baptized, we have baptism hosts. You'll see them with their lanyards. They'll be up walking around. You can approach them. And if you're ready to get baptized today, we are ready. Now, so we have a team. They'll get you ready and they'll come out here and we're celebrating and we've got a baptistry and it's warm. The water is warm. And so we help you. You get in and you'll sit down and I'll talk to you and I'll be like, hey, I uh, just want you to know what's about to happen. You know, in and, and, and just a moment, everything that you will have ever done in your life is about to be washed away. I have a little conversation. I'll say, I even say, how are you feeling? How are you feeling? You feel okay right now? Oh, man, I feel good. We're just going. I'm going to tell them what's going to happen. The moment you're, you're baptized. I remember telling Ziggy. I said, Ziggy, where is he? I just saw Ziggy. There he is. I was like, Ziggy, when you come up out of the water, God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Ziggy was like. He's like, we'll see. I said, man. No, I said, Ziggy, when I baptize you in Jesus' name, I was like, God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. He was like, we'll see. I said, okay, you ready? I said, man, we did it. Baptized him. Guess what happened? God filled him with the Holy Ghost. I know John the Baptist looked at his, his cousin, Jesus, and is like, I'm not going to baptize you. And Jesus is like, no, you got to baptize me. Because if you don't baptize me, everything will not be fulfilled. But I got to believe, too, that John didn't put this in the Scripture. Where John the Baptist was like, yo, cuz. This is you? What? 
you let me beat you in checkers? I need to know. I, I got to imagine he, he was stunned to recognize his cousin, his God manifest in the flesh, getting ready to be baptized. Now, this is crazy. Watch this. I'm just talking about this journey that God in the flesh is on. They have this, and then after he's baptized, the Bible tells us that the heavens open up. Spirit of God falls. And the Spirit of God says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. I'm going to show you. Look at Matthew 3, 13. Matthew 3, 13. I did not give this to the media team, but Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John uh, at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you are coming to me. But Jesus answered him and said, permitted to be so now for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. Okay? And alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus hadn't healed anybody. He hadn't raised anybody from the dead. The Spirit sits upon him. This is approval. He hadn't done anything but be a son. I'm telling you right now, you are his. If you have been born of the water and of the Spirit, you are his. You can't do anything to earn it. You can't do anything to earn his love. You can't do anything to earn his favor. You can't do anything to earn his provision. He loves you just the way you are. You don't have to fake the funk to impress him. You don't have to sound all religious and perfect because he knows you're not. This is why we tell people we're the perfect church for imperfect people because I don't want you to die under the weight of religion. Religion will suffocate and choke out any possibilities of you understanding that you are his. He's so in love with you. The Bible tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Did you hear me? The ungodly. The sinners, the people that would get high, the people that would get drunk, the idolaters, the people in the new age and mysticism, the people that were running on their wives and the people that were running on their husbands, the people that couldn't get right, the liars, the thieves. He died for the ungodly. Why would he die for the ungodly? Because he loves you madly. He loves you madly. There's nothing you can do to make him love you less. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more. You need to understand he loves you just the way you are. This is why I get so excited when people come in and they don't have a clue how to behave in church. I love that. I want you to be as undignified as possible. This is what son, Jesus would stun people. He would go to people's houses that people like the religious world and other people hated. He would go to like tax collectors' homes, thieves, and he'd be like, yo, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. Jesus is like, what? I mean, Zacchaeus is like, what? This man is coming to my, this is our God. He comes to us in our broken state. You got to hear me, then I'm not, I'm almost done. I'm not done, but I'm almost done. You got to hear me. He's not intimidated by your mess. He's not repelled by your mistakes. He's not turned off by your addictions. Oh, y'all not going to help me tonight. He's not turned off by the fact you have squandered everything and have nothing left. He is not put off by the, your bouts of depression and that you see yourself as something inferior. <sighs> if you could only see yourself like he sees you. 
if you could only understand how much he values you. This is why he came the way he came, to convey how much you mean to him. This is why he came to help you understand. The Bible tells us he wasn't always tempted like we were tempted, but he sinned not. So, I want you to get this. You don't have to fake the funk here at Extraordinary Church. So, he is pleased. The Spirit of God is pleased with the man because he's his. So, you just got to understand, performance doesn't bring you in or out of love. For the, God that, for the love that God has for you. Then Jesus decides to go off grid. You, you would think after the baptism and that, you know, I, I love this because we were watching The Chosen, right? Like, and by the way, let me just tell you, they do take creative sanctified license. But I, I do love this part where you might remember this, Sarah, when uh, Jesus is talking with John the Baptist and uh, John the Baptist like, is it time? And Jesus like, uh, Oh, no, 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 no. It was, what was the episode where he was, uh, dude was possessed. And, you know, they, they were, the disciples were trying to do stuff. And, they, and Jesus is like, come out. And John is like, that's what I'm talking about. He's like, it's time. Let's go. After he baptized them, he's probably thinking, it's on and popping. Let's get this thing. Let's get this thing going. Anytime the heavens open up and you can see the Spirit of God, descending like a dove and a voice from heaven, I, I would be like, oh, it's on. It's, it's, it's going down right now. Instead, Jesus goes off grid. If I'm John the Baptist, I'm like, where are you going? We're ready. I'm baptizing people left and right. I done already told them somebody was coming whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. I already told him somebody going to come and fill him with the Holy Ghost. Can you get to it? But he goes away into the wilderness off grid for 40 days. Now, you waited 30 years to start your ministry. And here, Jesus goes away for 40 days. This is crazy. Uh, now, Oh, what to do, what to do. Okay, let me just, I'm going to skip that. I'm going to skip that because I got like all kinds of stuff in my notes. So he goes away into the wilderness, right, to be tempted by Satan. Tempted by Satan. Look at Matthew 4, chapter, uh, Matthew 4, verses 1 through 3. Now, I want you to just, I want to make note here. He's being tempted by Satan. Not like a demon. Satan's like, I want all this. So look at Matthew 4, verses 1 through 3. I'm in the New King James. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. He, 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 he didn't send a demon. Satan himself wanted all that Jesus had to offer. You know what? Satan is thinking, I got the first Adam. I told my wife this early this week. He was like, I got the first Adam. Let me see if I can get the second Adam. He walked straight into that wilderness and was like, it's going to be all out war. Let's go to war. I got the first one down, and that gave me earth. Let me see if I can get the second Adam down, and that will give me eternity. Let me see if I can walk in here and get you to do the same thing the first Adam did. That way I can get access and rule all, eternity and time. So Jesus goes into the wilderness and is tested, and the first temptation is the lust of the flesh. Take this stone and turn it into bread. I, I know you're hungry. Your stomach is growling. You haven't eaten in 40 days. You looking kind of slim. Turn this stone into bread. Can I, can I just make a note here really quickly? The enemy is tempting him with a legitimate appetite. But he wanted Jesus to fulfill it in an illegitimate way. 
Okay, let me caution some of you all right now, especially y'all watching online. Let me just help you. There's nothing wrong with your appetite. They just have to be satisfied in a legitimate way. There's nothing wrong with your appetite, but it has to be fulfilled a legitimate way. What we're trying to do is we try to take things that are not food and turn them into food. That's manipulation. Woof. But what Jesus understood, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So he goes, no, that's not going to work, Satan. Jesus is like, you, you do know I know the word. Because I am the word. So Satan goes on, okay, okay, I see you, Jesus. You know the Bible. We'll open up your Bible to Psalm 91. Does it not say that their hand shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone? So let me take you on up to this very high peak, and you can just throw yourself down before you hit the ground because the angel's going to come in and just whoop, say, no, 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 Jesus. Psalm 91. Can you imagine Jesus at this point? Like, are you actually, Satan, trying to quote me? To me? <laughs> the enemy will always try to take the word out of context. Watch me. For you, so that you can ignore the rest of Scripture. I'm going to show you something. I'm going to show you something here because I, I want you to catch this. See, if you look at, show that, I want you to see this. Um, this, is, this, this is cool. This messed me up. He'll do this to get you to ignore what's happening. And he didn't want you to ignore the totality. He wants you to ignore the totality of Scripture. And so if you look at Matthew 4, I love this because in the New Living it says, uh, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. This is, this is crazy. Then the, the devil left him, and behold, angels came and, and ministered to him. If you, if you look at all of these things that happened here, Jesus also says, he says, not a him only. Also, he said, you look at the word also. I'm going to show you something here because he was like, yes, you're quoting the word, but also you have to take the totality of Scripture into context. You cannot take fragmentary teaching or preaching. You will get yourself in a mess. But he wants you to look at the also, what the word says also, all together. Am I making sense this afternoon? So it's not just what it says, but it's what it says also. See verse 7, it says it right there. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not tempt the Lord your God. See, Satan had quoted the word, but Jesus responded and said, the scriptures also say. It's not just what it reads here, but it's what it reads there. So the scriptures also say that you should not tempt the Lord your God. So in other words, we have flesh out of the way. We have the pride of life, Sarah and I were talking about this this week, out of the way. Satan says, well, hey, look, just, I'm going to give you everything. I'm done. I'm done. Just, you know what? I'm done. Just, just bow down and worship me. And that's when Jesus is like, okay, this has got to stop. <laughs> this is over. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Because, you, you, nope, not worshiping anybody except the Lord thy God. Only one God going to be worshipped, and it's not you. So, once he's done in the wilderness, it's time for him to start his earthly ministry. For three and a half years, Jesus is off to the races, turning water into wine, the first miracle. Wouldn't you have loved to have been at that wedding feast? I'd be like, Jesus, stay out of water. I mean, out of wine, excuse me. And he's like, get the water. What? I like how you party. 
He's opening blinded eyes. He's healing leprous skin. He's opening deaf ears. He's on a roll. Everybody is following Jesus. If there were social media in biblical days, Jesus would have been the most followed person on the planet. Any word about Jesus, it's gone viral. He would be trending all day, every day. Anytime Jesus' name is mentioned, they're like, where is he at? Jesus going to be in Galilee? Let's go. Jesus going to be in Capernaum? Let's go. Jesus going to be in Caesarea? Let's go. Jesus going to be in Jerusalem? I got to be. Jesus going to be in somebody's house? We tearing the roof off. Wherever he is, I need to be there. So Jesus is doing all of these miraculous things. And while he's doing all these miraculous things, he's only got one thing on his mind. Can you imagine the mindset of reviving people? Seeing people healed, delivered, brought to life, knowing you're going to have to die for these people. In John chapter 11, he comes to the aid of his friend Lazarus. Mary and Martha said, hey, your friend is sick. They sent word to him. Jesus said, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'll be there. And I'm giving you just kind of the cliff notes. We call them cliff notes in the States. What do y'all call them here in Canada? Cliff notes? Okay, cool. I thought, I thought somebody told me it was something else, but it started with a C. Cole's notes. See, some of y'all want to be Americans. Y'all know they're not. You know they went cliff notes. They call Cole's notes. That's okay. I ain't mad at y'all. I ain't mad at y'all. Um, so, uh, some of y'all like, like you ain't never heard of Cole's notes. You know full well you got some Cole's notes at your house. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Knowing, knowing. So Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to get there. I'm just not going to get there when you want me to get there. That's not what they wanted to hear. So as a matter of fact, his boys are like, hey, uh, Lazarus, you know, we need to get there. He's like, oh, he's, he's asleep. And they're like, he's asleep? Well, he'll be fine. And Jesus is like, Lord, no, he's, he's dead. He's dead. We're going to go see him. I'm just not going to show up when they want me to. We're going to go see him, just not on the timetable they want it. It, you know, it might take us a couple days to get there, but when I get there, I'll be there. And so, Mar, you know, Martha and Mary are like, wait a second, you know, his tomb is lying in, or his body's lying in the tomb, excuse me. Jesus shows up and he's like, where did you put Lazarus? And they're like, oh, well, we, we, we put him over, over there, over there in this tomb. And uh, you know what? It's kind of like, they're like, you, you showed up, but you're entirely too late. We went through all this, Jesus. You could have been here a long time ago. But you're here now, and his body is really stinky. The decomposition has begun to settle in. The, uh, the rigor mortis has settled in. The flesh has started to decay. The bugs might be eating away at certain aspects of the skin. The parasites from the inside are starting to work their way out to the outside. Uh, and you want us to do what? He's like, show me where you laid him. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that God wants to show up and do stuff in your life at the point where you have already written it off? Isn't it amazing that he wants to resurrect something in your life when you said it's time to move on? That's what Martha and Mary meant. We're done. Yeah, we're upset and we're broken, but it's time to move on. Lazarus is gone. Some of you all are like, Jesus, yeah, I get it. You know what? That part of my life, it's over. That ministry ain't going to happen. That relationship ain't going to happen. That promise ain't going to happen. I've moved on. Time for you to move on. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Show me where you laid him. I want, I want to come into your life when it's stinky. I want to come into your promise when it's decaying and rotting. I want to step in when it seems like there's no way at all this will work out. Because then you won't be able to take any credit at all. Whew. So he says, hey, roll away the stone. You roll away the stone. Because when Jesus shows up, and I love that we were singing that song. I told Pastor Barry, here we are singing about Lazarus in the first song. I thought, this is amazing. What a confirmation. Jesus says, I want you to roll away the stone. In other words, he says, 
I want you to do what you can do. I'm only going to do the things you cannot do. Jesus showed up to the situation and said, I'm going to do the things you cannot do. Everything else that you can do, you will do. So roll away the stone. I'm not going to do that. We good? You have the capacity to do that, so roll away the stone. You have the, you have the capacity to pray, so you pray. You have the capacity to show up, so you show up. You have the capacity to serve, so you serve. You have the capacity to give, so you give. You do what you can do. And then you watch me do what you can't do. Woo. So, they roll away the stone. Jesus did not even peek in. He wasn't like, this is crazy. He says, Lazarus. Now, the last time I checked, I told my wife this too. I said, I'm guilty. I have preached this text incorrectly. Because the last time I checked, dead men can't hear. So who is he talking to? <laughs> Where is he talking to? <laughs> Do you understand that he is not bound by time? This is why he said, the words that I speak to you are spirit and, and life. So when he said Lazarus, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, who is now physically before them in time, also at the same time is eternal and was out of time, and went into eternity and said, Lazarus, speaking in the spirit and the soul of a man, came running to get back into a body that was dead and rotting. And I'm telling you, you might think it's over, but he can call you by name. He can call you a situation. It ain't over until God says it's over. He'll do a work in your life. There was no other Lazarus to get it confused. There was no Lazarus laying nearby. He was the one he was calling. Called him by name. And when God calls you by name, the only thing you can do is, huh? What do you do when he calls you by name? What do you do when he calls you by name? I know what it's like when he called me by name. When he called me by name, I said, what, Lord? He called me out of my depression. He called me out of my addiction. He called me out of better. Oh, my God, I need somebody to help me who knows what I'm talking about. Don't you sit on me right now. You know when he called you. And when he called you, you had to come running. Your mama tried to call you, couldn't get any sense into you. Your daddy tried to call you, you did nothing. But the moment Jesus called you, the moment he called you, you came running. Somebody give him praise. So watch this. Be, see, be seated. They call, he calls them, Pastor Barry and Lazarus. They rolled away the stone. Here's Lazarus. Some of us have been resurrected, but we still wrapped. Oh, God. Some of us can't walk because we're still wrapped. So we, we can't, can't lift our hands because we're wrapped. There's life in our bodies, but we're wrapped. And this is why, this is why you need a small group. I know you're not involved in any groups, but this is why you need a small group. Because Jesus will say, hey, I want the body of Christ. I, I want the community. I want the people who, I want the people to be a part of this. I want you to unwrap him. You got to have people in your life that will come and say, hey, you know, I've been where you've been. But just because it didn't happen overnight doesn't mean he's not moving in your life.
Just because you're not where you want to be doesn't mean that you're not headed in the right direction. So let me help you a little bit and encourage you and let you know I've been where you've been, but he who began a good work is faithful to complete it. He who began a work in the Spirit will complete it in the Spirit. If you'll let me testify and tell you how he's kept me, if you'll let me testify and tell you how he's pulled me through, it'll take the grave clothes off of your resurrection. Somebody give him praise. Come on, somebody give him worship. Come on, you'll get unwrapped when you get involved in a small group. You'll get unwrapped when you get connected to others. You'll get unwrapped when you begin to do life with the body of Christ. Help me, Lord. I'm looking and I've preached entirely too long. If that's right, I'm preaching. So here's the deal. I got to stop. Oh, my gosh. The media team, they've done their job. I'm looking at the clock, and it's like counting negative 13 minutes. Like, bro, you've been going a long time. The day that changed the world. Why don't we stand? I want our musicians to come. Here's, here's what I believe is happening today. Jesus shows up to the disciples and they're like, wait a second. Let me, let me back up just one second. Mary from Magdala and the other Mary show up and they're, they're like, Jesus is alive. And he wants you to meet him. Wait, 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 wait. What? You got to realize they were there hiding. Because they thought if they did that to him and we're his followers, they're going to do that to us. So here they are hiding. And these ladies come running with the most amazing news. He is risen like he said. Frightened Cheerful, joyful, elated, he's done it. And they're like, what do you mean he's done it? No, 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 he's done it. Wait, wait what is it? Peter, James, we were there, or John, we were there, and that, that tomb is empty. Oh, who took his body? Who took his body? Where did they take? I'm, it's, no, 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 it's not there, because... If you could only see it, I, I, the, the, the stone was rolled away and, and these, these guards were laying down like they were dead. And this angel said, don't be afraid. He's risen like he said he would rise. And they're like, what? We, wait, 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 wait. We don't, we don't get this. They're like, we walked in to the tomb and it's not there. You know why he got up? So that you can get up also. You know who he's calling today? Who is he calling today? Who, who feels like you're laying in a tomb? Pound and abandoned. People not only no longer weeping, but have given up and have moved on. Who feels like you're forsaken? Who feel who who is he calling today? Is is he saying Ken get up? Is he saying Nadine get up? Is he saying Stacy get up? Is he saying Gregory get up? Who is he calling today? Who is he calling to say get up out of your grave? Get up out of your grave clothes. Get up out of your depression and your heartache. Get up out of your dysfunctionality. Get up out of those generational curses. Get up. Who is he calling today? Saying, get up. Who is he calling? Who is he calling? Is he saying, Ziggy? Get up. Is he saying, Jason? Get up. Is he saying, Damien? Get up. Is he saying, Ed? Get up. Who is he calling? He's calling some. I'm thankful 
that you're watching online and we we bless you come back and join us in person but I think there's some more people that he's calling like Noah who's coming to the altar and like Kirk who is coming to the altar there's some others that he's calling and you can hear his voice thanks for listening to our podcast join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus if you like what you just heard we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends extraordinarychurch.ca We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us info at extraordinarychurch.ca We'd love to hear from you.